In the words of Chumbawamba, I get knocked down, but I get up again. And this is the Fat Man Chronicles. Welcome to episode 94 of the Fat Man Chronicles. I'm Pete, and sitting... Oh, wait, there's nobody sitting across from me because... Because of my wife's lack of dedication to this podcast, I'm sitting in the studio alone. But we're still a regular couple on the journey with you to health, fitness, weight loss, and a better life. With no Gretchen, I had to have somebody to keep me on track. So I've invited friend of the show, listener... My friend, David Dushkin. How are you tonight? Great, Pete. How are you? It's awesome to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining me. I, I My think pleasure. this is going to be fun. Um, you know, so we've got Dave remote. Where, where, are you, where are you out? You're out east, right? Yeah, I'm uh, in a little town called Eldersburg, Maryland, which is about 12 miles uh, just outside of Baltimore. Awesome. So good crab cakes. Except they are good crab cakes, but ex- I've lived in Napa Valley, San Francisco, had really good crab cakes there. I was, uh, I lived in New Orleans, had really good crab cakes there, but, uh, they're, I mean, we're world famous for them. I'm originally from Chicago, so I'm not partial to old Bay and crab cakes, but <laughs> they do have good crab cakes. And I guess there's a new old Bay hot sauce yeah. now, which is all the rage and sold out in like an hour. And now there's a big, uh, uproar that you know, old Bay hot sauce. Yeah, I saw that. I'm I'm sure you can get some on eBay for about, you know, 100 bucks per bottle or so. I think it was 47 actually. That is crazy for just a little bit of hot sauce cuz can't you it. just make this at home? I you probably really can. It can't be that difficult. That's that's what I'm thinking. Well, so Dave, with Gretchen not here, I really Are we think doing that, views from the couch? I think that we should have you do views from the couch. Well, I'd love to do views from the couch, but we only have one TV in in, uh, in my house, and uh, my wife is a Netflix binge watcher, and my son is a gamer. My son, Brayden, is 10, who, of course, refers to this as the Gretchen Show, as he and was, as, was very excited that I was coming on the Gretchen Show today, but uh, I just spent a lovely hour watching him do a rounding battle on roadblocks. Uh, and he learned how to get his ninja powers, which is quite exciting. He was very excited about that. And uh, now he's playing a game called Rocket League, which is uh, cars. You play soccer with cars. So uh, I watched that for a half hour today. And uh, he changed his car to a neon green versus the neon blue, which was quite exciting. Not as dramatic as like Dr. Pimple Popper or something like that, but uh and then my wife is into sci-fi, and we were talking the other day about Gotham. So she's been uh, binge-watching Gotham, and I am not like a Marvel comic, DC comic, any of that kind of genre stuff. So I am totally lost and just uh, watch YouTube videos. <laughs> while, uh, But I don't understand how 
like originally I'll be 49 and when Batman was Batman, there was the penguin and he was an awesome character. I don't understand how the penguin in Gotham is such a whack job. And I don't really get how detective Gordon became commissioner Gordon. Cause he's a little crazy too. So I'm really lost, but those are really the only two characters that I picked out. And you, I think loved Gotham. Yeah. And then there's another dude who hangs out with the penguin with the glasses and we're in season two. So I know he's some kind of criminal because he whacked a guy in the head with a hat with a shovel <laughs> and wouldn't fit in the hole. But I don't know who he is because I'm totally lost because I just like hanging out with my wife. That's Edward. And, that's Edward Nigma. E Nigma. Enigma. I have no clue. That's the Joker. Oh, okay. So he oh, I'm turns sorry. into the Joker. No, I'm sorry. The the Riddler. Ah, sorry, makes not sense not Joker. Now. The Riddler. My fault. Thank you. Like the you that was that big missing puzzle piece, and now I can you know just roll my eyes at her and wait for her to. Be, I think I have three more seasons that I got to go through. Right? There's six seasons. I I don't know how many there were. I I found the show entertaining because it's like the lead up to how all these characters become who we know later. Right? It's kind of yeah. like the prequel. But it, it and it's hard because she watches all. Like, it's got to be like one big tree and there's all these roots, right? And she knows the storyline to all these things and I have no clue. So I try and put together little pieces and she binge watches all these shows. Like, they're manifest. Like, yeah. every, I, I, I have no clue. Like, I just know there is a plane crash, but I don't know any of the characters. And now I'm trying to figure out all this stuff so i'm really an expert in in xbox watching my kid play and then he's you know 10 year old kids today all their tv is youtube videos so i can tell you about all these youtube gamers and stuff so it was pretty funny that's my big uh, tv viewing for the day <laughs> well hey you've got reality you've got a reality show yours is just watching Braden play video games that's all it's just yeah. a little different and he's hurt now so uh, he's normally a super active kid five, six days a week. He's got some sort of after school activity and he's hurt now. He hurt. He dropped the weight on his foot. So he's in a boot. So we've been three weeks of no activities, which is three weeks more YouTube videos, which makes dad really happy. <laughs> I love watching your posts, like your updates on on Bray and the fact that he's so into the field part of track and field with the with the shot and. Um, the disc and I, I know you've been talking about the javelin I think that's really cool because that's just like something that you don't see necessarily the younger generation all that into so it's pretty There's, cool to watch all that well thank you and it's interesting too to see it here and we refer to it as field and track not track <laughs> and field but he does do he does all three and uh, he ages up this year so he finally gets to actually throw disc in competition which he's really excited about and um but there's a lot more girl throwers than there are boy throwers which oh, wow. is always really interesting to me and uh he's been throwing uh shot put since he was six he's 10 and uh, he's been throwing shot put since, since he was six and he started discus at about uh eight nine and javelin is is his best uh, of the three, and this year we start working with a uh, 
javelin coach in New Jersey. So that should be interesting driving to New Jersey every month. Oh, wow. That's, that's quite the commitment. Yeah, well, I, I like to look at it as hopefully it's a college investment. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. I, and I, I've got to think that going through those field events is a decent, if you're good at it, it's got to be a decent shot at some kind of scholarship. I can't imagine. I mean, I know it's going to be competitive, of course, but it, there's just not that as many people that uh, versus running uh, 100 meters or something. 100%. His, uh, his javelin coach told me, uh, one, not to screw him up, let him be a kid. But he said only 14 states allow javelin in high school. And there's 50 states that have hundreds of colleges and universities that are screaming for javelin throwers. So, you know, he's 10. Who knows what he's going to do three years from now? But uh, he was uh, uh, an All-American last year in shot put for whatever that means for a nine, 10 year old, but he was eighth in the country last year. So potentially he's got a lot of talent and uh, it's just my job as a, as a dad to keep him happy and having fun and uh, not to, not to put too much pressure on him. Uh, like my dad did, I quit every sport that I did by the time I was 13, which is statistically still accurate today that uh, most kids quit uh, sports because of their whack job parents. <laughs> um, well, I want to get back to your background here in a second. I just find it interesting when I think shot putters, I think really, really big dudes, like huge guys. Yes. I disc, I also think pretty, pretty big, pretty big people. Uh, it, I would say that discus players are, are discus throwers are more. They're, they're bigger, but they're not as big as shot putters. Right. Shot putters now are really big. I, Ryan Krauser is like the top of the game now uh, for the United States and in the world. And he's literally like 6'8 and 330 pounds. So they're all big guys. Like they're all uh, Joe Kovacs, who was the world champion. I think he's only 5'11 or 6 feet, but like the – the top Americans are all 300 pounds plus and all six feet plus they're, they're big dudes. And my, my son is, uh, he's not a small fry. He's, you know, 10 and, uh, I think he's about five feet and 101, 102 ish pounds. I mean, solid. He's a brick. Yeah. He's also a, um, he, he, he used to at least ride some like cyclocross or something. Right. I remember him doing yeah, a lot did. of biking. Yeah, he does do a lot of biking. He rode two seasons uh, cyclocross, which is kind of like, for people who don't know, is uh, cross-country running and steeplechase on a bicycle. And uh, this year, in April, actually, uh, registration is he's going to do a mountain bike league, oh. which is a uh, – Maryland just started their teams, and a good friend of mine is a director of the Maryland League. And uh, it's a national league. So I think, if I'm not mistaken, all 50 states have this um, – league now and it's for sixth grade through high school so he'll be uh his first year doing that that's pretty cool yeah it's in so for javelin i guess where i was going is like javelin i don't think of it as much as an individual sport for whatever reason i just don't i think of it like within the decathlon and so i yes. always picture like skinnier you know people thinner skinnier is a bad word but thinner people right people that are more of like the track size, um, you know, throwing no, that thing. 100%. Yeah. 
And, and javelin, it's it's not it's I it's not really big here. So most people who throw javelin are probably a multi-sport athlete, decathlete, or something like that. But it's not really big. Right. Cool. All right. Well, let's back up a little bit and find out. You said you grew up, or you were more from Chicago. So tell us a little bit about you know little Dave. I am. I'm born and raised fourth generation Chicagoan. I grew up on uh, uh, West Rogers Park, Howard and Western area. Uh, I lived in uh, the city until I was about 14, 15. My mom didn't want me going to uh, Chicago public schools. I was supposed to go to Mather High School. I ended up going to Niles North High School in Skokie. We moved to Skokie and uh, I got into the restaurant business when I uh, was working Irving's hot dogs and JB Winberries in Evanston was my first cooking jobs. And uh, I always made more money being a cook and I had a really good uh, skill set at that. And uh, I did that until I was about 17. I joined the army, army reserves, finished high school, and then just continued my um, culinary career uh, in Chicago and around uh, that the suburbs. And then, uh, I took off traveling the country as a chef living in Napa Valley, New Orleans, back to Chicago. And, um, I ended up, my last cooking job was in Aspen and that, uh, I had a snowmobile accident and, uh, to the fire service, but I was just typical, you know, typical Chicagoan. I'm a Sox fan, not a Cubs fan. And uh, basically, I was the kid. My father was a diehard Cubs fan. So, of course, I had to go to the White Sox. But when I was growing up, the White Sox were a much better team. So well, they're I about to be a much pe- better team again. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. But I, in, I think I don't really think and people I'm going to get so much flack for this. But I think people are Wrigley fans versus Cubs fans. Ooh, you're you're going right? to get you're going to get it. Right. And, and, and I know it, but I think there's no greater place to watch a sporting event than Wrigley Field. Yeah, as long as you're not behind one of the poles. I agree. 100%. 100%. But I, and I just think that and people are passionate about the Cubs, and there's no disrespect. But I think a lot of the Cubs' love comes from Wrigley Field. Yeah, I mean, it's a great place. We are... So, as you know, Gretchen is a Cubs fan. I'm a Sox fan. I would rather watch a game at Wrigley because I'm a baseball nerd and I I love the history. But I want to bring the food from the South Side because it's way better at Comiskey. Hundred percent. So, um, cool. So then, eventually, you end up in the fire service. I did, and you you kind of you get through that because at some point you decide that's you've had enough. Right. I think I don't know if I decided I had enough versus the 19 years of what I saw and did told me that I had enough. I didn't see it coming. So growing up, I always wanted to be a soldier or a police officer. So I did the soldier thing. I applied for a police department after police department, Carroll Stream, Bolingbrook, whoever was testing. I tested for and in Chicago. At the time, this police and fire is a family gig, right? How many guys do we know whose father, grandfather, 
three brothers and two uncles were all firemen or policemen. I think in my lifetime, the fire department is only given like three or four tests. So it's a really lucrative, hard job to get. So I was making good money and living the chef lifestyle. And at like I was 30 when I got into the fire service and I had gotten in a snowmobile accident and uh, I, I worked on a mount in a Austrian bistro on Highlands Mountain in uh, Colorado, Aspen, Colorado. So the front of my restaurant was uh, the building that my restaurant was in was the restaurant and in the back of it was ski patrol. So those guys, I was just talking to them. They took off one day for an avalanche. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing in the world. This is what I'm supposed to do. I just wanted to help people. So they ended up telling me about uh, being a volunteer fireman. And being from Chicago, I didn't know what a volunteer fireman was. So I went down to the firehouse, signed a piece of paper, did my basic classes, got into the fire service. And my first three calls were... Uh, a 23-month-old drowning, a uh, triple-fatal car accident, and a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. It was my first three calls in the fire department. Mm. Build on that for 19 years, I, you get through those things with humor, like dark humor, and you, you have to suppress all that stuff. You don't deal with it because it's really hard to deal with. So you just kind of bury all those sights and memories and smells and all that stuff that you carry with you and fast forward through all that to 2018 i had four really significant personal deaths uh in my life uh, uh, one of my best friends committed suicide after 26 years in the military my father died and i had a uh, i had a uh, an on and off relationship with my father and in some way, it really bothered me because I can never have that last argument and I can never have that last like sit down when we were really getting along like we did when we were kids. So, there, you know, I still kind of deal with that. My oldest friend's eight year old daughter died and one of my best friend mentors died. And I don't know if it was the culmination of the four, but it opened up the floodgates of emotions and feelings and sights and it spun me out of control and, and I didn't see it coming. Like I was a terrible husband. I was a terrible father. I would yell at Braden for no reason at all. And it just kept getting worse. I ballooned up to uh, 308 pounds and I've always been a heavy guy, but I was 308 pounds. Um, I drank a pint of vodka a day my blood pressure was 160 over 100. I was just a train wreck. I was in the hospital uh, seven times for uh, chest pain. I failed three stress tests for the fire department. It just was falling apart. And my goal is to see Braden turn 50. And I wasn't going to see him turn 12 at the rate I was going. So I ended up walking out of the fire department. I mean, that mental health, physical health like so you're kind of at this confluence where that's all going poorly is your family telling you like hey you got to slow down you got to you got to think about some things how are they how are they coping with that honestly i i don't remember i'm sure 
I created a huge stressful environment. And my wife, I've been uh, coming up on 15 years of marriage and she is, uh, she is my rock. She's my everything. And she was super supportive and she tried, she knew something was going on and we tried to do, uh, like I tried to go to counseling and counseling only works if you can find someone that you can connect with. Yeah. And I just, I tried going to, uh, I'm kind of an out of box, like mindfulness meditation. I, I wanted to go down that road, but this was way too far for me. This is the person that I saw and it really put a strain on my relationship with my kid. So those two, it made them closer and then we would come up with little strategies in the house of how, like, if I snapped and started yelling, like, we would kind of have words. My son used giraffe, and he would just tell me giraffe, and I would kind of pick up on it. But it, it happened really quick that I, I, told my, I called my wife one day crying that I just couldn't go back to work anymore. And she said, you're done. Go give them notice. And like she just knew she was there. She knew I had to do it and figure it out my own way. But finally, it was too much. And she just told me she gave me that it was permission for us as a family for me to lose that paycheck. Like a benefits wasn't a big deal because they she just picked up our insurance and stuff. So there's a lot of comfort in that, but she's like, you're, you as my husband are so much more important than you as a firefighter. Yeah. I I think it's awesome that you've got that kind of support and I know it well. I mean, I had the same thing, not nearly as bad as you, but dealing with my own mental health issues with depression and, and needing to have a change and having that support of, of Gretchen throughout and you know, kind of figuring things out when, when I left my job too. And it's interesting, right? And and I feel for people who don't have that spouse, right? If, Cause then you're stuck. Oh um, yeah. I'd be a train. I'd be living in a box drinking two bottles a day. I absolutely would be a failure. Not, I don't, I don't want to say failure because I don't think it's a failure. I think that people who get to that situation, there are reasons for it. And I totally would have been that person at that point if I didn't have my wife just being a rock, right? My wife is, you know, opposites attract. And if people, you know, I heard someone say uh, the other day that if if opposites marry, they have a perfect kid. Hmm. And like when I was in the restaurant business, you, you know, chefs change jobs every six months to a year. So I did that for 18 years. My wife has had one job since she graduated college. So yeah. she's coming on 29 years at the same job. She was just a rock. And her brother was in the fire service. Her best friend's husband is a police officer. So she knew it, but she also knew me enough that I had to find my own way. And then when I was total rock bottom, she's like, you're done. Do what you need to do to fix you because I need my husband back and Braden needs his father back. All right. So you rip the Band-Aid off, leave the fire service. And how do you start to get your health back at that point? Uh, I think just initially the sense of relief that it was over 
was the the biggest step into David 2.0. So I, I didn't really know where to go. And I have a friend who's a Baltimore City fireman. And he used to work for me. He left my department, went to Baltimore City. And he had a close call house fire. And it could have seconds away from being a disaster. So I hit the point where he self-rescued himself. So I was at the point, 308 pounds, can't really physically do the job as a fireman at 308 pounds, no matter how much you think you can. So I had a moment of, I couldn't have saved myself and I couldn't have saved him if I needed to. So when I left the fire service, and that was a big part of me leaving the fire service too, is now I have the opportunity to save myself. What do I need to do? The first thing I need to do is quit drinking a pint of vodka a day because that was spiraling everything to the wrong direction. I wasn't running anymore. I would binge eat, right? So, like, number one thing I had to do was quit drinking, and so that's what I did. I went 150 days without drinking. And then, so that opened up that clarity of I can wake up and feel really good now because I'm not, you know, 10 snootfuls into the morning and binge eat at midnight. Now I'm getting nine hours of sleep. I'm not drinking. Now I can work on my diet. So I'm, I'm plant-based. So I was able to go plant-based successfully. Now I'm eating well. I'm sleeping well. Now I can go running. So now all these little things are just piling up without that pressure of what the next call is and that kind of stuff. And now uh, I use the Calm app. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So now I'm meditating not every day, but enough where I'm just learning to relax. And I didn't work at all for seven months, just kind of building on all that. And I haven't really gotten any like true therapy, but just kind of those little, little bricks building upon each other was a tremendous help. And eventually I will, um, I'll still have to go get some kind of PTSD help it's not like it just disappeared but i'm able to manage it much more now than i was before and now i'm i've lost 65 pounds so just everything in life is so much easier my relationship with brayden is back uh the relationship like what we were initially in our like solid family unit is back yeah that that's fantastic and i also really like the fact that you realize that you've you've found ways to cope, but you haven't necessarily tried to attack the underlying issues and that you might need some professional help to do that, I think is commendable. I think there's a lot of times where people get, I don't know, I, I, I mean, you've been super open, right? Which I appreciate because I think the stigma of going to see somebody, it just still pervades our society. I think we're getting over it, but especially with men, I think we're still fighting that battle hundred um, percent to, to it, overcome. Hey, you're just weak. Like suck it up. Yeah. And, and to be honest with you, like mental health and for first responders is it's, it's a joke. It's there. When we've had this conversation before the suicide rates among police and fire are skyrocketing. It's not something that we're open about. It's not something that we recognize. I can see, 
guys that I used to work with who totally had, and they're great guys. There's nothing wrong with them. It's just 20 years of doing this affects you. And I can see the effects on them, but they're not willing until they're willing to accept it. They're not going to make the changes. I absolutely need to find someone that I could not only deal with my issues from the fire department, but there's a, I have a rock bottom self-esteem and self-worth issue. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to say that. And if you put that on top of the PTSD from the fire department, like, you know, like I, sometimes I call myself a train wreck. Like I can function every day, but last week I had a horrible week of low self, self-esteem and self-worth. And that's why the perfect, like we're, the society in general needs to, to embrace mental health because it affects a hundred percent of everyone in some way. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, I got a couple things there. First, the fact that you see issues with some of your friends, that it's impacted them. To that, I just want to say thank goodness, because the last thing I want is some sort of automaton that's there as a police officer or a firefighter or an EMT that doesn't care. So I, I think it's fantastic that they care. I don't know how you, you know, you called it suppress. I've talked to other, you know, friends who have been in that line of work who, who say they have to learn how to compartmentalize and then it just becomes an issue later on. And then even people who leave, it doesn't, it doesn't go away. And sometimes they don't know how to cope with it. And I, I, I know a lot of retired people in that uh, profession. That's when the, the mental um, illnesses really kind of start to, to rear their head. So that's really very difficult. And I, and thanks for talking about it because that we just need more of that. It's exactly Absolutely. why the No Fear Project talks about this openly in every episode um, at yeah, the end. And, so, and, and I've told you before, I have a huge fear of dying. And I, I meant to post that today. You you posted something on the podcast or uh, on your page about what's your uh, number one fear or yep. something that you posted this morning. And for me, I have a huge fear of dying. And it's part of life like there's no one who's getting out uh, getting out of here in any different way right a hundred percent of us are going to have the same result it's about the dash what you do with your life but it's i look at my kid and you're you're a father i look at my kid and i shouldn't dread leaving him like it, it consumes me every day and we can do no fear podcast when you're yeah. ready but it, it consumes me every day because death for me is always been really traumatic. And a lot of times it's people who, unfortunately, and, uh, you know, that's a whole nother topic of how we treat our elderly in this country. But it's it was elderly people who are by themselves or in a raunchy nursing home. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it, it's hard for me to deal with. And I think part of that also is because I don't really have... Uh, I, I don't really have a, a strong religious aspect or spiritual aspect of my life. And I think of if I had that either or religion, I was more religious or more spiritual that I would be able to come to terms with the whole death process. Yeah, that's a 
evolution too that I think you're kind of on if you're meditating and stuff. Um, you know, religion and spirituality definitely are two different things. So I'm glad that you separated them. It's interesting. And then we all cope with that stuff in different ways. My coping mechanism, I mean, yours was a pint of vodka and un, it sounded like some unhealthy eating. I know those two things. I mean, I've dealt with stress the same way and especially eating. If I'm having trouble, which I have been lately, I eat terribly. Yeah. And I'm having trouble breaking out of it. I, and... I, the only thing I ate yesterday was uh, Pringles. <laughs> Literally, that's the only thing I ate yesterday. Hey, but like, they are I'm vegan, a... right? Uh, yeah, they are. But vegan is uh, just as un can be just as unhealthy as any diet. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it's and it's a good transition because I, I appreciate the all of that, right? But I I do want to talk to you about being plant based. Love it. Let's ruffle some feathers. <laughs> so. I know just from following you in the last few years, a couple of years, that you've tried to go plant-based a few times. It seems like it's taken a pretty good hold this time. And you've got a page where you talk about this. I mean, you talk about it on your personal page too, but you've got a, a I don't know, it's not really a blog, right? It's more of just a, a Facebook page, right? Yeah, it's just a Facebook page. It's something that I want to... Uh, turn into a blog, especially now that I'm being more open about all the other stuff that I'd really love to be like my ultimate dream is to be you and not like, please don't do that. No, the, this but, world needs no more of me, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like I yeah. already quit my job. I kind of led the way in that when I, I didn't even tell the fire department when I left the fire department, I kind of had a unpleasant conversation with the human resources director had never showed back up to the city uh, that I worked for. But I would very much as a, as I get, I'll be 49 next month. And I think there's a lot of people in our situation that just need to hear someone else be open about what they're going through. And I kind of like to, to go that route uh, with my page. My page is uh, making the most of the second half and really is just about, you know, living life to the fullest you know, as I hit, get closer to 50 and beyond, I totally forgot my train of thought. Well, well, that's okay. I'll, I'll link up the page in in the show notes. So you share a lot about being plant-based. Yeah. Yeah. So I, this, my plant-based journey has been like, it's probably in my 11th year and it all started with, uh, uh, rip from engine two or the guy from game changers. Most people know him from now. And uh, he came to the city that I worked for. I used to have a, a page way back when, and a group of us from the uh, fire department went plant-based. And I was super successful and uh, for like two years. It was mostly, I have a huge cardiac history in my family. So my, back then, my trying to go plant-based was for the benefits cardiovascularly. And I was really good for like 18 months then life gets in a way and I've been on and off for a lot of years. And then uh, up until the last seven months before that, I put that label on myself of being plant based. And if I didn't, if I wasn't 100 percent, I would treat it as a failure. And then that would spiral everything out of oh, I can't do this. I, ate a, you know a piece of cheese and it ruined everything. 
And until I was able to drop that label for myself, that I don't need a title. I, there's reasons why I don't eat meat. And that's, it's up to me. Like my wife isn't plant-based. She's not wrong because she eats steak and I'm happy to cook her a steak or a chicken. She's not wrong for it. And I'm not wrong because I want to eat plants. Like we just all need to get along. And once I drop that label, then I was, I've been super successful for the last seven months and dropped 65 pounds. And I even went vegan keto. So if you if you really, I had great success on that. And I lost 22 pounds in a month being vegan keto. Well, but that, was, Dave, come on, that's impossible. You can't be vegan and keto, <laughs> and keto, right? You can. What? You just got to eat a lot of avocados and olive oil. There you go. <laughs> uh, I watched that journey, and I'm fascinated by it. You know, and and I think that your philosophy on plant based is much more manageable. You and I have talked many times about health and dietary stuff, and in the end, we're all n equals one. Yeah, so, and I, we're trying to get to the same place. Yes, like you are no sugar, no grain guy, right? I don't know if you're still trying to do that, but you've always, as, as long as I've been following you, you've been a no sugar, no grain guy. Yeah. And you are doing that to get to the same point that I'm trying to get to right. being plant-based. Yeah. And I guess I, I've evolved a little bit in that to more no processed foods. A hundred. Yeah. But like I, when I grew up in West Rogers Park, right? I... There was a Greek produce store every two blocks. So if I needed produce, we'd go to the produce store. If I needed, if the, our family was getting meat, I would walk two blocks as a kid to Boss Camp Butcher, walk in, and the guy knew me. He said, hey, Dave, what's your mom want today? And I'm like, you know, and I tell him what my mom want and the sawdust on the floor, and I would walk home. If my mom wanted fish, I walked to the fish guy. And it all came from a certain radius. Now everything is mass quantities coming from Costco. Like we've lost how to eat. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it was great back in the day when you had Sam, the butcher and, you know, Carlos, the, the produce guy and, and stuff. We have lost that. And I think that there's a lot of reasons for it. Convenience being one of them, right? We just got busy and we want convenience and that became more and more. And, you know, as a kid, having McDonald's was expensive. It was a treat. The stuff in the grocery store was way cheaper. Now, yeah. the fact is McDonald's is just cheaper. So yeah, well, no wonder people I, in a food desert area look for McDonald's. Yeah. And it, it, it's how do you, how are you going to convince someone to spend $12 on a salad when you can go get, you know, a $2 Whopper meal and a, and a jumbo Coke, you, right. it, you're not going to convince them to do that. Right. And by the way, I just want to be clear. I'm not saying that McDonald's is unhealthy. As far as I'm concerned, McDonald's has zero business because I don't know a single person other than my brother who admits <laughs> to liking McDonald's on a you know daily basis. So, I mean, according to my Facebook feed and Twitter, everybody hates McDonald's, yet they're doing okay. Yeah, the only time I know people that go to McDonald's is when they bring back the McRib. Right. <laughs> and right. I, I live literally three blocks from a McDonald's, if it's even that far. And the only people I see in McDonald's are families, unfortunately, just because, you know, now 
kids have, you know, households have two working parents or a single parent and they're working from eight in the morning till six at night and they need a quick meal or it's elderly people just hanging out, having a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah. Right. That's that. I think my McDonald's lives on uh, the older population having coffee in the morning. And then there's a Chick-fil-A, which is unbelievable how busy they are. Well, I live blocks from a Portillo's and oh, there's so a jealous. line at 24 hours a day, I think there. So, yeah, I can eat some food at Portillo's. <laughs> right. So anyway, circling back, your definition of plant based is similar to Karen Clark who has been yeah. on this show and on Endurance for Everyone, and she just did an episode with John. And I listened to it. Welcome yeah. back, John. Glad to have him back. Yeah, absolutely. I, right. So my definition of plant-based is the majority of my food is based on plants. Right. Plant-based, there's not nowhere that says it has to be all or nothing. And she made a great comment that she eats bacon in the morning. Here or there, she'll put bacon on a sandwich or something like a breakfast sandwich. Yeah, right. Because it helps her be successful and it eliminates. It's a genius idea. There's nothing wrong with that because 99 percent of what she eats is plants. Like the biggest deterrent or hindrance to vegans is vegans. Right. (laughs) Right. The vegan population or plant based population is going to be up in arms because she eats bacon once a month. But they totally lose sight that 99% of what she eats is based on plants. And that's, it makes a huge difference in everything. But she's not, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That's what, it's based. It's not all. Yeah. And I've been to, luckily, you know, Gretchen and I had dinner with Karen and her husband Lloyd. And it was fantastic. And it wasn't uncomfortable or whereas I've been out sometimes with others where that have like, oh, I can't have any oil, right? And it just becomes uncomfortable at times yeah. when they're trying to order and there's 85 substitutions that have nothing to look. If you have a food allergy or you can be harmed, that's a different subject. Hundred um, percent different subject. But it's you gotta. I think you just gotta balance it, and and that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think that I would just be better off eating more vegetables. Well, everyone would be better off. Look at when we grew up, my family, I think, was pretty typical. We sat down together. Every meal had a salad. Every meal had uh, like broccoli was our big vegetable or green beans. We always had green beans, broccoli, a smaller piece of meat and a potato. Now, no one's eating like that. Like there's like. I, what do you call it? Clean eating. It's just the way we used to eat. And, and and we've lost that. And, you know, if you look at the blue zones and the healthiest, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at the healthiest uh, communities around the world. And their diets are hugely based in olive oil. Olive oil has been around for thousands of years. There's nothing wrong with it. You can't drink gallons of it every day. But it's been around for thousands of years. The Greeks, the Sardinians, all these people have the the Mediterranean diet is huge on olive oil. It's been around forever. Vegetable oil is a processed food. If you're going to eat oil, get the good stuff. Use it in moderation. You're fine. There's nothing wrong with it. 
Yeah, I, technically, I mean, I think olive oil is technically processed, right? But it's but it's a process that we've kind of known for a long time. It's just more pressing, cold press, right. but, pre- preferably, uh, right? Yeah, and I don't mean any, you know, disrespect, but I don't, if you put a thousand, you know, pounds of olive oil in a big vat in the, its own weight of itself, and then you take a big wheel and you press it, I don't know if that's a processed food versus the Doritos that my kid eats. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I, I think we take this well, to such an extreme now. And, and I'm not saying you are. I just think in general, people yeah. take this stuff to such an extreme. Like, my wife and I are going out Valentine's Day with a, another uh, couple. And they're all in a, in a polite, friend, like, good friend way. They were like, we want to go to this place, but we don't know if there's anything that you can eat. Well, of course there's something I can eat. Like I can go if I wanted to and I wanted to be a strict plant based or vegan person and we were going to a steakhouse. There's a ton of food for me to eat at a steakhouse and really good food. Right. Yeah. So you don't have to worry. There's plenty of food or options for me and I'm plant based. So if I want to cheat a little bit and it's not really cheating because my diet is not 100 percent of anything. Let's just go out and have a good time enjoy the night together don't worry about whether there's oil in my asparagus so we're you know the the big thing now right is all the meat alternatives the beyond meats the impossibles where do you stand on that it's junk food like we were talking about impossible meat my my son is is vegan right he saw game changers and my son identifies himself as an athlete that's how he sees himself so he saw all these athletes, and the one who made the change for him was Schwarzenegger, right? So in the movie Game Changers, Schwarzenegger says it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And I don't my my kid is celiac, so I didn't push him one way or the other. He's gonna make I as a parent have to make good choices, healthy choices, because childhood obesity is is rampant. So I just want to be a good example to my kid and help him make good, solid food choices and eat healthier, right? We don't eat McDonald's and all that stuff because you can't eat it. So for me, the, the impossible meat, and we have it in the house all the time. It's a transition food for people who are trying to transition from being a meat eater to a vegan or plant-based or vegetarian. And to me, it's geared towards meat eaters. It's not geared towards the plant-based vegan community because it's all—it's just as bad processed food as anything else. I think, though, most people outside of maybe the vegan community, I think that most of us feel like they're telling us that that stuff's healthier just because it's made from plants. There's definitely this underlying tone when you watch commercials you listen to it and i haven't had a chance to listen to some of the podcasts that you know you've shared with me but overall i'm not saying that that's the intent of the companies themselves but i do think it's the perception at large that we're being preached at that this is healthier and it's interesting because i post that after we had our conversation i put a uh, a question on my uh, personal facebook page of whether people thought because you had mentioned that every a lot of the people that you had talked to had 
seen it as being promoted as being a healthier option than meat. So I put it, and I didn't see it that way. And I was surprised because most people, I thought in my mind that one, it's not promoted as a healthier alternative, but everyone who, when I posted it on my page, that I was hoping I would get a wider selection of people answering the question, but everyone who answered the question was plant-based and they, (laughs) excuse me, they all agreed that it was junk food. So, but I didn't really get any feedback from like, uh, uh, I don't, what's the word? I I don't even want to say a regular eater, but people who ate meat didn't really comment on it. Yeah. The only one I saw was John. The poop show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I I think that the only one I, yeah, I mean, but John was really, I think kind of saying the same thing as I am, which is to those of us who aren't are plant-based already or vegan, we see it as people telling us this stuff's healthier. Yeah. Um, And it's, it's not necessarily. No, no. Um, And for me, for Brayden, it's a good transition food because he can eat, like we make a lot of chili and tacos with it now, but as I am able to expand his palate and what he eats, then we eat less of that. Yeah. Right. We still do tacos with it because he's just not a big mushroom guy and, and chili with it. But my, his Braden's favorite meal now is tofu and rice with beans. So I can, I can get rid of other than chili. I can get rid of that impossible meat. And I, and I think it's great. Eventually we have to do something about the meat consumption just environmentally because just we just eat too much meat. Like we can't sustain the amount of meat that we have. I wish we can go back to, you know, you're going to your local farmer to pick up, you know, to pick up your chicken or your pork chops or whatever. I don't have any issue with that. I, it, I, it's, it's a reality. People are going to eat that way. I just wish that we have a great local farm here and you can get chicken and pork chops. I can, I can take Braden to meet the farmer I can take them to see everything 100% about that process, which gives you a connection to your food and a respect for your food that I think we've lost by going to Costco and buying 30 pounds of ground beef at a time. So quickly, the views of the guest on meat's impact on the environment are not necessarily those of the Fat Man Chronicles (laughs) and its hosts. (laughs) Uh, but that's what I, that's why I love talking with you because we don't necessarily agree on some of the specifics or kind of where things are heading, but we have good conversations, respectful conversations. And frankly, I've, I've learned a lot talking to you and yeah. And Pete, we're trying to do the exact same thing. We want to be great fathers. We want to be good husbands. We want to become better runners. We want to lose weight. You know, as we get older, I don't want to take 15 pills a day when I'm in my 70s. Right. We're, we're trying to do the exact same thing. I learned tremendous amount from you. And if we can, if people can get along like that and figure it out, like, I don't know. It's like politics. And I, I can't stand discussing politics. But I, like at some point, Republicans and Democrats became this like huge like dividing point and really 
and it, they're going about it in different ways, but we're, we're trying to do the same thing. And I can't respect you any less because you're trying to do the exact same thing I am. I yeah. do it through eating kale and you're doing it by trying to eat, you know, healthier meats and more vegetables. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I definitely agree. We're all heading in the same direction, hopefully. But I think that that becomes part of the problem is that the way you eat has become like a religion and it's tough to discuss it anymore with, yeah. with people and, and have it be rational. So anyway, I, I appreciate it. And you mentioned running. So you're, you're out there running. You just did some stuff at Disney. We're going to be hopefully in Wisconsin together this we, year. Well, we're, we're definitely going to be in Wisconsin together. It's whether I talk you into my race or you talk me into your race. <laughs> or it could but be we some definitely combination. Will be in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you'll be at the Badger Trail races, which I'm super excited about. And people can join us there. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've been talking for a little while, so probably should try to wrap it up. But before we go, podcasts, I didn't do my Pete's Podcast Corner, and I know you <laughs> listen to a lot of podcasts too. Do you got any you want to give up? I am a, I'm a podcast addict, and I will tell you, going back to our original conversations, I am a big military podcast listener. So I, I listen, uh, the one that I listen to the most is a podcast called uh, Team Never Quit. And it's with uh, uh, two Navy SEALs, Marcus Luttrell. Now it's uh, Marcus and his brother uh, co-host the show. But before it was uh, Marcus Luttrell from Lone Survivor and this uh, other guy, uh, Dave Rutherford. And they really, they helped me the most. Uh, overcome my stuff because like as a fireman, I don't really have PTSD. Those guys have PTSD, right? Like being in Iraq and all that stuff and all the combat that they've seen, they have the PTSD and they spend a lot of time talking about first responders PTSD. So they really allowed me hearing it from them, open up myself and open up my doors to start treating myself but their whole uh, each week they interview a different person with their never quit story. And they've had um, uh, different runners, different Navy SEALs, uh, CEOs, all the like who uh, uh, one of the uh, Andre Agassi was one of their guests. Uh, the female swimmer who swam uh, from Cuba to uh, Florida. I forget her name, but she was on it. So it's just a lot of interesting people who have tremendous stories and it's their never quit story. And to me, that's kind of like our, our, my whole, you know, my whole life is, you know, if you fall down, get back up and never quit. And so that's my big, other than yours, of course. No, right. Yeah. I'm not in the same <laughs> league as uh, Marcus Luttrell. Uh, yeah. But that's my, that's my uh, number one go-to now uh on a weekly basis is uh the team never quit podcast that's awesome and i am looking right now at an autographed copy of lone survivor peter never quit marcus luttrell oh that's awesome yeah in the paperback it's fantastic i mean he's just a an absolute hero to me so i love that podcast too and i'm glad that you gave it 
gave it a shout out. I think that's a, a really good one. Yeah. And, and I think a hundred percent of people who listen to that can find someone that they interviewed to Im- that can impact their life and make a difference. It really is an unbelievable podcast and people's stories and a lot of the military guys and a, and a lot of the non, they had a, uh, and I'm going to forget her name, uh, a female drag racer who had an incredible story. There's an IndyCar race driver who got into a car wreck at like 230 miles an hour and his story. It's just an unbelievable human element element to their stories and of course you know marcus's background and stories and what happened to him is just unbelievable and uh, how he's able to come back and be able to give back live his life out like he's been able to is unbelievable yeah for sure all right anything else that you wanted to touch on before we go no i think we had a good conversation that was fun yeah that was a lot of fun so uh real quick this uh podcast is part of a little network that we are building so we've also got that wine pod and the no fear project which is just launched i want to thank everybody for listening to both of those the no fear project is a passion project for me if i could say project a few more times that's probably good but it's (laughs) it's really important and i think that we're going down a, a really good path these first few episodes are just me this coming week on february 5th we'll have one that does get some interviews in there. And then later in February, we'll start the the big interviews. But it, every week we'll have content on that one because of we'll have a No Fear Friday podcast, which I'm having a lot of fun putting together these little kind of snippets and on different subjects, whether I'm talking about a quote or, you know, just some kind of subject that's struck the group and, you know, had to, it doesn't warrant maybe the big subject or we'll get to it but I wanted to touch on it. So it's been awesome. And for all of these podcasts, please, if you could leave a rating and review, it really does help people find the show specifically on Apple podcasts and the review. If you just hit the stars, that's fine. Um, But it doesn't really help us because you've got to have the words in there. If the algorithm is, if you take the time to write any words, it's, it counts. So even if it's, Hashtag Team Gretchen on all of them. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think we can wrap it up. Dave, thanks so much for being on. Pete, thank you for having me. It was a great conversation, and we will talk again soon. All right. All right. This just, oh, man, that was bad. You've been listening to episode 94 of the Fat Man Chronicles. The music is You Got Me Wrong by Safar. We want to thank our patrons. Amy, James, Christine, Rob, Linda, Julie, thanks so much. You make this possible to keep going. On social media, we're on Fat Man Stories, and I'm not super active there lately. We'll try to correct that at some point, and that'll do it. Everyone, get out there and be better today. Yeah.